Hey, LR buddies, welcome back to the Gerald Field Report, the only Hey Arnold Watch Through podcast brought to you by the Toupee of the Month Club. Hip, hip, Toupee. I, for my part, am uh, old C.W. Hills, and joining me here is the short-haired Laird of the Mystery Baird. It's uh, it's on my little phony. That's what it is. We see yeah. my little guy over there. I miss, I miss, I miss having long hair. It's short. It's really short. It's super. Are it's we? Are we just gonna? You, are we just gonna start doing this uh, for all our podcasts? What? The only podcast that blank. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> Peculiar objects is spilling over. Peculiar objects is spilling over into this. I mean, That's technically, true. we just spill over into all podcasts we're in because yeah. you're in all, all podcasts. Of our, all of our podcasts are really just bottles in which we try to contain parts of ourselves to greater and lesser effect. Yeah, I mean, the uh, more, but, like, like you talked about, you're doing a video game podcast pretty soon, too. So yep. That's just... I have uh, too many of them. Yeah. That's, that's like... Yeah. Every podcast on this network has Casey Hills, people. That's not going to be true forever. I just, you know, I, 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 I see the thing is I've brought so many people into this and, and like I, I'm, I'm foundational, not in the sense that I am required, but that I was here for all of them. And I think people are a little hesitant. Like people could start their own shit, man. I'm here for it. I'll oh, listen yeah, I'm, to it. I'm, uh, I'm ped- schedules pending. I'm trying to get a podcast, uh, called Anthony watches a scary movie up and running, uh, with, Nigel and Max, uh, both of which are massive, massive horror fans. I hate horror movies. So my idea is, my idea is, uh, it's actually a podcast where the two of them review their favorite horror movies framed around, uh, forcing me to watch these films. Uh, (laughs) I have no obligation to sit through them. Like, like if I want to back out, I'll back out now. There's a bunch of fun games we're talking about. Like, okay, Anthony, we're going to play this, this clip in, and silence for you, and you need to to explain to us what's happening, uh, or, or come up with a dialogue for this. Uh, I don't know something like with that. a lot of spaghetti is what it sounds like. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun. But for our part here today, we're here to talk about Hey Arnold, season one, episode ten. Now, as a helpful Reddit um, user member, what are Reddit people called? Users. Users, as a helpful redditor, um, pointed out, and okay. whose name we really should have uh, looked uh, up so we can I'll... give them a shout out. Give me a second. Look I can it tell up you right now. The user's name is Clip Zero Three. There you go. Clip Zero Three pointed out we have been watching these in Hulu order, which I believe reflects their broadcast order, which is not their intended viewing or production order. So we are switching to their intended production order. Luckily, for the first 10 episodes, it actually matches up. So we're fine so far. You don't need to go rewatch anything. You don't need to drink until you forget. Uh, so today we watched season one, episode 10, door 16, and Arnold as Cupid. If you have not watched this episode now, yet, please do so now. We'll give you some Go time do to so. do it. Well, wasn't that such a good episode, guys? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm crabbing my craw. Yeah, it was a real good episode. So, Door 16, 
the breakdown, there is a mysterious boarder at the boarding house. Everybody is super suspicious of him, uh, and a package arrives for him. It is placed in Arnold's custody. Everybody tries to steal it from him. Arnold and Daryl try their best to get it into his hands, but alas, eventually it is torn open by suspicious and panicky villagers, I mean boarding room tenants. Uh, and it turns out that it was a picture of all of them, which said, my family, and they all feel bad about being suspicious about Mr. Smith. Yeah, all the adults in this show are garbage people, and that's going to be the recurring theme of uh, this and next episode. <laughs> Monsters that are due on Maple Street. I mean, like, if we want to talk about that, that human beings are their ultimate villain, like, like mm-hmm. we can do that. But this is this is about Hey Arnold, not about Twilight Zone. So, yeah. um, so one thing that I feel like was really interesting when we watched this episode at the beginning, uh, they kind of do this everybody standing uh in front of the bathroom kind of bit uh because it's so funny grandpa's uh a slum lord he can only afford yep. one bathroom for an entire house but uh ernie said something that was very interesting to me and I, i'd like to explore it um he says there are 13 borders and one bathroom yeah he has to mean one full bath like they must have their own half baths right like they they have to have running water available i think they have like like because i know mr Wynn has a kitchen like i remember them right them but but no let's talk about the fact that there are supposed to be 13 borders in this house that's true we never see more than half a dozen so i've listed them if we are counting grandma and grandpa and arnold which i don't because they are the the people who own the house you have mm-hmm. Mr. Wynn, Ernie, Oscar right. and Susie, Mr. Smith, and that creepy Russian lady from that one episode that disappeared uh, completely. Right. The one, the one that was, was written to be in love with Arnold, and then they realized right. that's such a bad idea. There was one mystery woman at the table in this episode. She was on the far left, and uh, she had brown hair, and I don't believe she got a speaking role. But, uh, yeah, what? still, that's not a lot of people. And that's if you can, yeah, bring up the episode. You can scrub through it. And that's if you count, uh, Oscar and Susie as being separate tenants, separate borders, which I don't think, uh, is how the, 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 the tenant census. Works. I would say that, I would say that one works because they're talking about people who live in the building borders in and relation need access to, to a bathroom. bathrooms. Right, right, right. Okay. That makes so sense. So 13 people. Uh, and I'm going to include Arnold because only Grandpa has his own private bathroom. Uh, right. Uh, well, and Mr. So, Smith. And Mr. S- well, we don't know if Mr. Smith has a private bathroom. We know that Mr. Smith... Okay, so let's talk about Mr. Smith. Uh, let's do. For a second. Mr. Smith is uh, only seen in two episodes, I believe. Uh, does he have any other appearances beyond this one and the one where... No. Uh, Arnold goes of. and collects rent. It's I didn't know. Oh yeah, that's right. He slides it under the door in an envelope. Does I completely forgotten about that? Yeah, yeah. So Mr. Smith is this like like definitely a CIA agent or some sort of spy. Yes. Um, he an enigma. Yeah, he lives in the boarding house, but has has some of the coolest gadgetry I have ever mm-hmm. seen. In in any kind of house, he has a pneumatic a pneumatic tube 
to bring his food up to him. He has Oh no like, no 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 Thony. I and here here no, I must disagree. That was not pneumatics, my friend. If that was pneumatics, everything would have gone and just been sucked up. That was levitation. It went woo 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 and then it went uh uh-uh, uh there is something else at play there. There is some high technology. Now I'm not I'm known to make a goof or two but I'm not going to be the dumb dumb here suggesting that he's actually an alien or has like space technology or anything like that. I'm just saying Mr. Smith is working with technology that is not yet available to the public. Okay, so let's really talk about this then uh, because that building that Mr. Smith works at looks exactly or reminds me almost exactly of the Men in Black building. Yeah. Uh, two three four Smith Street. Yeah. I, so uh, it's possible that that um, Mr. Smith is could a, be a man in black. Is a man in black. He's he's what better with, disguise uh, for a man in black green than not friends. wearing black? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So did you notice that uh, that the dry cleaning was dropped off by Smith's dry cleaning? Like like all of it is is like like it's just this entrenched like like he only works with these people or the fact that the guy who delivered the package uh the MacGuffin of the episode uh mm. is the most generic looking but one hundred percent government agent looking person oh, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he's from the Weird Al video, the party in the CIA. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's really fascinating, this guy in particular, and Mr. Smith, both their character designs are completely unlike everything else we have seen uh, in yeah. this show. They uh, look like they're from different shows. Mr. Smith is trench coat wearing, wears a bowler cap. Uh, I want to talk about the bowler cap in a, a little Has bit. Has no facial features. No facial features, which we talked about this in an earlier episode, specifically the one uh, with the introduction to... Uh, Helga's mom and the fact they didn't show Helga's face and how uh, Helga's mom's face and how usually when a character's face is not shown, their actions are more important than what they're actually doing. In this case, they purposefully show that Mr. Smith doesn't have a face. They see him go through and it's just like, like, it's not even like it's hidden in shadow. It's just a blank slate right written on on the front of his 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 face right and if the show can be said to be from the perspective of arnold and and in this case the other lodgers that really just reflects their perception of him that he is a complete question mark that they know absolutely nothing about him because in the case of of miriam being uh like cow and chicken's mom uh, and dad, just the just from the from the bottom half down, we don't we don't see her face at all until we do. But when we didn't, that was a measure of her distance from Helga as a mother and and representative of a of a different kind of relationship. And this one isn't about the relationship; it's about the fact that this man is a complete blank in their minds. They don't know anything about him at all. Uh, so Arnold is given this package uh, and he's tasked with delivering it. Um, and this is where, like, I think my hatred for the borders really, really, like, grew and began. Um, mm-hmm. I have I have general disdain for the adults in this town, uh, especially since the Gerald Field episode, uh, which kind Field of incident. showed them how awful they could be. Um, yeah. But each of the borders separately... Uh, with the exclusion of Mr. Kakashka, who is a giant piece of shit, uh, but we will it's talk true. about that later. Um, yeah, I've got concerns about him. 
have had some redeeming things like like you have the Ernie episode uh where Ernie acts very childish uh in the process of it but uh really acts as a surrogate father to Arnold at one point. Uh, well to Bill, they, but yeah. Yeah, to Bill. Sorry, not not Arnold. Um I'm just saying. Mr. Wynn, uh, he'll have his episode. Mr. Wynn has been kind of just uh, a source of funny, funny phrases and hasn't yeah, had he's any been real a, he's depth been the funny to him. Yeah. Uh, the Christmas episode, which if you're watching the Hulu episode order, uh, is supposed to be next episode, but it isn't anymore. Uh, uh, uh You know, you see real, real depth into him, but every single one of these borders are awful, awful human beings who who are so obsessed with this person that lives with them that they barely even know that they would Ernie would willingly climb up to the roof, unscrew a window pane and try to drop yep. down through Arnold's skylight to get this package. Yeah. And the borders all find their other reasons to hate Mr. Smith. He's got a private shower. He's got a, a split level apartment. He's got his own special food tube and all this. And these are all gripes, gripes, gripes. And who does he think he is? And ah, he thinks he's better than us. And Arnold points out like, guys, he pays extra for all of that. And he pays on time. Like this is an exchange of goods and services. It's not like... <laughs> Except, except, uh, in a later episode this season, uh, specifically the only other episode that Mr. Smith is in, Arnold goes around collecting rent from all of the boarders, and you realize that right. all of the boarders are schlubs who don't ever pay their rent on time, including Mr. Right. Smith. He had a fancy little, like, floor safe that popped up the floor, and Arnold unscrewed it and got an IOU ticket instead of actual money for his rent. So... Oh, phony? I mean, we're in an economy. It's uh, maybe after the events of this episode, Mr. Smith had some difficulty and the job wasn't going as well. You know, after the Navy released those UFO videos, his work at the MIB was not as reliable. I, I just, like, 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 here's the thing. He's being charged more for rent. I absolutely, like, agree with that. Well, he's got a split-level apartment and a private shower, They're yeah. charging him more for rent. Whether he's paying it or not is another ah, question. That's uh, a point. And Arnold's a child. Arnold's a child, so Arnold doesn't know the intricacies. He knows he's supposed to collect rent rent once a month. Uh but he doesn't know that an IOU is really the guy squatting in the house for free. Uh right. the fact that and the fact that none of the the tenants paid rent and we'll talk about this in the later episode that none of the tenants paid rent and Arnold just kind of rolled with it shows that he's not really fully grasping the tenant uh landlord like relationship. relationship right the dynamic there yeah this episode is really like like a spy thriller uh you get all of the it cool is. things that happen in spy thrillers and yeah it opens with music for dames to walk into my office by courtesy of jim lang is that the name of it really well no but i mean spiritually <laughs> that's the best name ever like that's the name of the song that jim lang made for this episode <laughs> So Arnold gets the package and uh he's all of a sudden like like at war with the other tenants in this building beset by monsters. They 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 want it and like uh, even Gerald like I think I think this show does a really good job and I was kind of talking to Casey about it. Casey mentioned that my favorite episodes to talk about are the episodes where adults in the show are just awful human beings. Um It's true. 
And I think one of the reasons it's gonna mean something. It, it, well, well, one of the things that I I I feel about this is the show does a really good job of of like polarizing maturity on both the kids and the adults. Um, there have been several episodes. I mean, Arnold is a child, but has constantly shown a maturity that even most adults have are unable to do. Arnold gives up mm-hmm. his his baseball in the Mickey Kaline episode. You know, Arnold Arnold fixes Eugene's bike and tries to make up for things. That's all signs of immense emotional maturity, realizing that yeah. his his actions and his behaviors have real life consequences. From at his the heart same, and from his hand. At the same time, like the adults in the show have also like there are times when the adults show maturity, but also every single adult in the show has shown great immaturity. Um, and I think like, it's really important. The message is really important that, you know, sometimes you got to trust your kids and know that your kids are, know what's right and know what they should be doing and actually have a head on their shoulders and what they should be doing. And at the same time, as an adult, and I think this is really good for the adults watching, and especially maybe the adults who are kids who are watching it now. I feel like 90% of my life is not together. Uh, right. I feel like I'm just a giant baby in a grown man's body who can How do you wash barely... a giant baby? Uh, giant bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> really big mop. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the idea is like, like, we don't have it together. Like, Mm-mm. like I don't think any adult has it together. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter if you're no. 40, 50, 60, whatever. Like, like no we're such all, thing as a grown-up. We're all just trying to flail around and figure out what the fuck we're doing in our lives. And I think yeah. it's really good to show that that's to children. Because, you know, in your mind as a child, when you think of a grown-up, grown-up has everything. Like, one day you're going to wake up and everything is going to to kind of fit and make sense like i i didn't have the like brain capacity to kind of come up with that and figure that out from watching these adults when i watched this as a child but today like i i definitely see this is the reason why they're portraying like that doesn't mean i'm not going to rail against them doesn't mean i'm not going to complain about them doesn't mean i'm not going to talk about how awful all of these people are but uh i think i think it's also really easy to see morality from the perspective of the show which is the perspective of arnold and when you're a kid and you don't have responsibilities when you're a kid it's really easy to say yeah just do the right thing just be a good person it's not hard because the world is easy and life is simple. And when you're an adult, things are not easy or simple. And you sometimes have to choose between the right thing and the thing that works. And you have to make choices where there is no good answer. There is no option after which you can feel good about yourself. And that's something that kids don't understand. And so watching this as a grown-up and seeing that, like... Like, to to jump to the next chunk of the episode real quick, when just when, when Susie kicks Oscar out and he goes and says he doesn't know where he's going to sleep, like, when you're a kid, that's like, ah, he's getting kicked out, he's in trouble. Like, as an adult, that's a different thing. Like, that's that's a bigger decision than it seems to the kids. Right. Um, and I think it, it, it highlights that, like, I mean, the adults are terrible people, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that they inhabit a different world than Arnold does, because in Arnold's world... 
yeah, you just do the right thing. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve credit for doing the right thing. I'm saying when you're a kid, there's no, there are very, there's very little in the way of consequences for not doing the right thing. There's no reason not to. It, it makes me actually wonder about this episode and whether a lot of this was in Arnold's mind. Uh, Arnold's a very imaginative person, but like he goes to, he so, so they have the package and they're trying to go around and find it. Um, they end up, they end up at his work. Uh, and he's like, Hey, is Mr. Smith, does Mr. Smith work here? And, uh, the lady's like, which Mr. Smith? And she's like, there's, and she lists just 8,000 different iterations of the, the name John so Smith. So many Mr. Uh, Smith. John Smith Smith is probably my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, like, like, I think, I think I could, I could totally, like, it's realistic to kind of think, no, that's not all of their names. Arnold's a nine-year-old, right. and he just heard a bunch of garbage and a bunch of garbled nonsense. Um, yeah. And they're all not the, they're all not the, 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 the names that they're giving. No, that's an excellent point. It's like in the episode when Helga went to buy uh, those embarrassing girl magazines, and the, you know, the cashier rung her up and said, can I get a price check on embarrassing girl magazines? And it all just kind of zoomed in on, like, all the people in the entire store looking at her. And we decided that's not what happened. Nobody gave a shit that she was buying Embarrassing Girl magazine, but that's how it felt to her. So I think I think you're absolutely right. I think Arnold's imagination and lens is is magnifying this thing because he's been given this parcel and said, okay, look, this is your responsibility. And even says to Gerald, he has been shouldered with the burden. Yeah, I remember he said that. He said, I've been shouldered with the weighty task or the weighty burden, and it sounded like something Helga would would say that the, there's a, there's another Helga moment in the next part that just reminded me of that but yeah Arnold is very very eloquent but but there are aspects of their personalities that I think show how how child like 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 it's it's very like there are times where you're like these are kids that are acting like adults and there are other times you're like no these are definitely kids acting like a right. kids uh case in point the Vincent adultman uh bit uh yep. that happens at the hat shop uh and i think this is my favorite thing so uh one of the things they know about mr smith is he wears bowler caps um correct so they uh bowler derbies to be to be precise uh yeah they wear he wears bowler derbies uh gerald because gerald knows everything in this town and he has not left the room know exactly what shop sells uh bowler caps and the reason he knows what shops sell bowler caps is because his man fuzzy slippers gets yeah. his bowler caps from there uh, is this fuzzy slippers first appearance or i noted that i think this is first mention of fuzzy slippers he's like i was i was in my film group and we were talking about these kind of recurring bits that have such big stories behind it but never actually yeah. play a part um one of the ones is the the watermelon from buckaroo bonsai, bonsai. Yeah, yeah yeah uh the idea that there or is the there's... um the the china the little china housewife in a uh, little house on the prairie there's a little china statuette that gets put on a on a mantelpiece there and we never ever know what it means i have never watched little house on the prairie it's a good show. I'm trying to get my wife to do a rewatch can't. podcast with me. I don't me. think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. It's understandable. That's what I thought. I bought her the whole series because I thought she loves it. I'm just going to be a good husband. Whatever. It's one of my top five favorite shows of all time now. It is 
very, very good. I can't get started on this once again, or my love for Charles Ingalls will consume the room around me. But, yes, um, so Fuzzy Slippers is one of these things that just gets tossed off randomly every few episodes, but there are actually, there's an entire iceberg beneath that tip. Yeah, and, like, we know that Fuzzy Slippers isn't his brother, because we've seen his entire That's Jamie family. O. Uh, is it a cousin? Is it an uncle? Is it just a friend? Like, the coolest man, person that... Yeah, it's his man, Fuzzy Slippers. Anyways, uh, Fuzzy Slippers, uh, Gerald knows the exact, maybe, maybe, maybe Fuzzy Slippers is, is Gerald. It's just Gerald, Gerald, yeah. Gerald has like, like an entire alternate personality. Gerald secretly likes wearing bowler hats and, and all the other things that Fuzzy Slippers does and is just too ashamed that he has these adult preferences. Uh, oh, I don't think it's a shame style. thing at all. I think it's, I think he has created the persona of Fuzzy Slippers in order to give credence to all these things that Arnold might not believe. Yeah, from that him. makes, that makes sense. I, I think Gerald would be like, oh yeah, I know, I know the perfect place to get him. Arnold would be like, how would you know you're a, a nine year old child? Yeah, uh, like so I really me. like that theory. Okay, so they go to the they go to this bowler cap place. Toller's bowlers, and and the logic is no adult is going to believe that two children walking in here wants to buy a bowler cap. Right, which, which raises the question: How old is Fuzzy Slippers? I don't know. <laughs> That's just like, like, there's this creep. That's uh, like, I have to believe that Fuzzy Slippers is probably if a separate person. Okay, here's, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Fuzzy Slippers is his uncle. Okay. We, we, we've established that, that Gerald's dad is a cool happening dude before he got it's married. True. Uh, right. and Fuzzy this Slippers, so many of us. Fuzzy Slippers is also a very, very cool and happening dude. Uh, so maybe they were brothers. Maybe, you know, Could be. uh, Gerald's dad settled down, became the uptight kind of penny pincher he is, while his brother lives the eternal bachelor right. life. A real Bobby proud. It's the only way to make this not creepy. Because <laughs> yeah. a nine I just realized thing... I accidentally compared two black characters by complete coincidence without meaning to. I'm going to cut that. I feel bad about that now. <laughs> okay. So, so, but, but let's really talk about this. Like, if a, if a nine-year-old, if I, if I owned a hat shot and a nine-year-old came in and said, hey, dude, I'm looking for a bowler cap, I'd be like, dude, I'm going to get you the best fucking bowler cap oh, ever. Yeah. Cause you're a nine-year-old America, who son. wants a bowler cap. That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, but to nine-year-olds, no, bowler caps are adult things. So you know what we need to do? We need to become two kids stacked on top of each other wearing a trench coat yep. to convince the person because uh, it doesn't Lean change the, the fact trope. that they have child faces. Doesn't have the fact nope. that they have child voices. They're just now a very, very tall child. Uh, well, which is why I, I made the Vincent Adultman joke. Uh, what's interesting, Thony, is that this is the second time in this episode we see this joke. Because as Mr. Smith is leaving the boarding house, we see him have a brief conversation with three pets who live there. There's a cat, a dog, and Abner, all stacked up on each other's, each other's shoulders. Abner is wearing a pork pie hat. They have a very brief conversation. Abner lifts the hat, and what? then Mr. Smith leaves. What? I, uh... I gotta see this. I didn't notice. Did you that. miss this? I, I yeah, no. Yeah. Scrub back. Okay, we're... it's right when he leaves. 
Uh, give us a second, guys. Casey, play the music. I don't know if you noticed, I use different hold music for peculiar objects than I do for the Jailfield Report. I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what the... They are on, stacked on top of each other. <laughs> there are, hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing this, I'm screen capping it. Uh, for that, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is fantastic because it, it serves to underscore, because like Arnold's argument is that this guy is just, he's not even arguing that he's a regular dude. He's saying it's none of our business. Let them, he's an extremely private person. Let him live his life. He pays his rent. Mind your own damn business. But like this guy is legitimately up to some weird shit. Like he's having clandestine meetings. I watched this episode last night. I've, I've done watch throughs of this series like six or seven times. Have you never seen that? No, because you see someone raising a pork pie hat on the stairs. (laughs) It's in the background. You're not really paying attention you think he's just oh there's another border another tenant in the house nope. with a pork pie hat uh saying like even last time like oh there there's and i think the other thing is mr smith has no face so the first thing right. you look at when you see the scene is the fact that oh this is a man without it's a face not the fact right. that there are are two dogs a cat and a pig stacked on top yep. of each other wearing a pork pie hat. now here's the thing thony there are two versions of any given episode of this show. There's there are the grounded ones, the realistic ones, like the uh like the bench warmer episode where there are no fantasy elements at all. And then there are the ones that might literally be entire like David Lynch dream sequences. So like how how literally are we to interpret did this have it what does this mean for his place of work? What does this mean for it, for the levitation of his breakfast plate up to his room? What does this mean about Mr. Smith? I mean, and this is the problem. Like, unlike Doug, uh, it has been established that Arnold's fantasies and Arnold's, like, like daydreams don't flow into his normal life. He may, be get, he may, he may get caught up them, but he's not like a... Uh, uh, it's not an unreliable narrator. What the like hell Doug is the name of that movie? Walter Mitty. He's not like a yeah. Walter Mitty like oh, character. Like that movie. We saw that together. Yeah, we did. That's one of my favorite movies. A fantastic book too. But unlike Walter Mitty, who whose delusions, whose daydreams put him put him in danger because they spill over into his everyday life, Arnold has these moments where he is daydreaming, but he is shook out of them so there is no reason for us to believe or suspect that this is a fake this is not a delusion of arnold especially because the universe has already established that there are some super normal there's some pretty weird aspects to it Uh, there are ghost ghost trains that is an actually haunted ghost train because they show that at yep. the very end of that episode. There are other ghost episodes. There Stinky's are... a vampire. Yeah, uh, we haven't gotten yeah. to that yet. This bites. Ah, uh, but yeah. Okay, uh, so that means that this is literal. Then this is not symbolic. This is not a metaphor. This is not just uh, an element of surrealism bleeding over from Arnold's fantastic imagination. This is happening. Because because the other thing is like like the Mister Smith thing that the fact that there's eight billion Smiths being named to him in the building, 
Um, mm-hmm. Is is from Arnold's there. Arnold is the person witnessing this happen. These words are being said to Arnold. So you can assume, okay, this is Arnold's interpretation of this. Arnold is not the one looking right. at Mr. Smith when this happens. The camera nope. is, is panning over to this scene. This is the camera's right. perspective. This is an omniscient narrator's perspective. This is unfiltered. This, this is, is the eye of God. This is This is the thing that is actually happening. Wild. We're going to blow this whole thing wide open. Uh, so... Oh, phony. Excuse me, I've got a... I've got a knock at my door here. Uh, yeah, well, let me just... Ah! Yes, hello? Hello, what can I do for you? No! (laughs) We got too close to the truth. Oh, I got it. It's, it's funny. <laughs> Good job, Casey. Fuck you. You started doing a bit, and I'm like, "What the fuck is?" I'm like sitting All I do waiting is for bits, you to bits, fucking bits, answer. No matter what. Fucking waiting for you to answer your door. Anyways, <laughs> um, they they ultimately they can't find Mister Smith. They bring the package no, home. He eludes them. And this is, I think, the most fucked up thing in this episode. The borders, oh, yeah. so deranged, so like like obsessed with this Mad. MacGuffin, has bound and gagged the yep. grandma and grandpa. Two chairs in the kitchen, having um, recently watched the ref. I I don't get that reference. Does a Dennis is the the, the, the uh, Kevin Spacey and Dennis not Dennis Leary? What's the fireman? Hopper. No. Dennis, uh, he was no he Dennis was in Leary. Dennis, Dennis Leary is the fireman. Oh, I was thinking of Dennis Miller. Okay, but no, I do mean Dennis Leary. Then anyway, it's a really funny movie with Dennis Leary. He breaks into a house, and Kevin Spacey and his wife are there, and he binds them up to rob them. But they turn out to be really insufferable hostages. It's a lot of fun. It's a good Christmas movie. It's also a joke that didn't work. So Grandma and Grandpa are bound and gagged in the kitchen. You say? Yeah, it's it's like like. They're so obsessed with this, which means Arnold left, and first off, they have to assume that Arnold is not going to be able to deliver that package. They are hedging their bets that Arnold is going to come home with this package, and they are going to get it from him uh, no matter what. And anybody who tries to stop them or tries to prevent that are are obstacles that they need to overcome. They're going to have to have a conversation with Moses Maimonides and Gary, the dust-up cousins. So I'm holding up my punchers, listeners. Yeah, thank you, Punchy McHuge. Well, you're welcome. Um, what you have is is the final chase in any spy movie. Um, yeah, Arnold, where it all comes crashing down, trying to escape with their their necessary intel while all forces in the boarding house are trying to stop them. Uh, they pull down Arnold's little attic uh, hatch. Uh, they yeah, which it's not. Is it always an attic hatch? I feel like at one point it was definitely like a like an like a staircase that no, led up to a it's door. It's always been an attic hatch. Uh because mm. it's one of the coolest things about that room that I remembered was he has this this secret uh secret hidden staircase in his it becomes stairs like the Okay. the, the ladder comes down, but it has always been what a about hatch. the former. But, okay. Nothing. So yes, uh, tug of war for the parcel ensues. Um, somebody grabs Gerald's hair, which is not cool. 
and uh, eventually they lose it, and they, they fall upon it like hyenas uh, onto Scar when he has failed them as their king. I think that's a... Yeah, oh yeah, like so they, 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 they uh, approach it like the hyenas in Lion King, and... Uh, like this package has wronged it's a, it's them. A, it's a photograph of the borders that says my family, uh, instantly yep. making them feel super bad. Why? Like is... the monsters they are. I feel like it was like blackmail. Someone sent blackmail to Mr. Smith. <laughs> this, is, this is this is your family. This was a we threat? We have a camera of them. Yeah. No. No. Um, see, that's the thing. I never noticed when I was a kid that that was clearly taken from a fisheye lens camera. I figured that was Mr. Smith's camera. Because he has one. He yeah, has I mean, it's Mr. One. Smith's camera, and it came, came from the same kind of area that the um, the teleportation it's tube hatched. came from. Exactly, yeah, the levitation tube. Um, yeah. Here's my thing. There are 13 other boarders in this house. Why doesn't Mr. Smith think any of them are his family? Because <laughs> fuck those guys. That's why. <laughs> He's not obligated to. All right, final thoughts on this episode. Uh, there's a few uh, things that I wrote down that I want to talk about. Uh, Arnold opens the fridge at the beginning, puts the milk in. Uh, in it is a bottle called Mama's Triple X Tomato Prune Delight, which is yep. one of the best things. Uh, very good. Number two, uh, uh, as they are fleeing, oh, they, they, they jump on the bus. Uh, and mm-hmm. yell at the bus driver to follow the taxi, meaning they I don't actually works. understand how buses work. But they finally get nope. off because they see him get out. Uh, behind them is a a poster plastered for a sold out twenty four hour carnival. <laughs> what? That's like I'm like I want to know what what a sold out twenty four hour carnival looks like. Me too. That's fantastic. This show is so good. Okay. So, uh, episode two, Arnold is Cupid. What? Hey, hold the hell up. Oh. I have final thoughts too. Sorry. Sir. Sorry. Citizen. Ugh. Uh, my final thoughts are thusly, um, when they're in the haberdasher, first of all, this poor clerk whose goddamn time they waste, uh, is overall a really good sport about uh, getting hat after hat for this. What is it? This this tall, thin, frameless man, which is pretty good. Um, but while he is climbing the shelf to get the hat that Arnold wants, Gerald sneaks over to the Rolodex like a small town marshal in a soda fountain, and he gets Mister Smith's information. He pulls a pencil from his hair to do so. That's amazing. Which made me very happy. Uh, it was I, very good. I also really love the 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 hat clerk. Uh you see him yeah. when they come in, he's wearing this pink feather boa, uh looking That's fabulous great. and living his best life. Uh unfortunately yep. because society deems that uh unmasculine and something that a man should not be doing, uh he throws it aside the second a person comes in. Uh you see him yeah. kind of kick it over. I feel bad for this man. He's lives his best too. life, but it's in it's in shadow. He is he is unable to do what he needs to do. Well, this guy's also interesting because uh while he's getting the hat for the boys, he's just grumbling to himself, uh, talking about how maybe he should be grateful because it's the first customer he's had in a month. That makes no which... sense either because I mean, I guess there's not, maybe there's, uh, multiple competing pork pie businesses. Maybe this Could is be. the reason why the man is so, uh, fine with ignoring the fact that the person he is looking at is too, 
uh two children stacked right. on top of each other and a pig in a trench coat yeah uh, my other favorite moment my other final thought is also a gerald uh when they go to 234 smith place or smith street whatever it is um the uh, the, the art in the lobby is fantastic it's a it's a picasso style man in a trench coat like spy looking guy it's really great and i love it a lot but they're talking to the secretary and she's saying you know this smith that smith over there all these smiths um and gerald says now what if i was to see gerald because gerald understands stories gerald understands genre savvy yeah but he he doesn't understand that you need to be a workable character. There's no place yeah. in a noir story so, so, for children like and that. And I think that's fascinating. Gerald is the only person in this episode who realizes the episode he's in. He's in a spy yep. thriller, so he's going to he act is. Act well, he's going to try. God bless him. And he does. And he says... What if I was to say, I don't believe you? And then he goes, rah, rah, at her. <laughs> and then they get kicked out of the office yeah. for sexually harassing the receptionist. Yeah. And it just, it made me really happy because, like, he, he's genre savvy enough to know that he's playing in a noir or a spy film, whatever. But he doesn't realize that you can't be like, what if I was to say, I don't believe it? You can't do that and rah, rah, the, the receptionist at the same time. That's yeah. so those two don't work together, Gerald. This is slay the spire you can't just (laughs) could be a factor Ah, all right the spire i love that game it's really good i'm enjoying it a lot the defect is a lot of fun um defect is my what kind of build are you doing with the defect uh it just varies depending on what i get what's Um, your what's your favorite like i really like i mean if i can if i can get loadouts that let me have more and more orbs if i can get like eight lightning orbs uh going all at once yes please i like that a lot um i also really like to load up on plasma orbs and just punch a guy to death uh yeah so i I do kind of the same thing Uh, i really like the 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 card that spawns power cards Uh uh-huh oh load up on three or four of those bitches yeah absolutely the problem is if you get to level three almost always you're going to get crap i forgot the name of it there's the one that the one of the the final bosses that gives mm-hmm. himself plus one strength every time you use a power card, and almost oh, always I when I do a power build with the defect, he is the person which completely ruins the build and ends the game for me. Uh, but that's for that's a fair. different I, podcast. I haven't I haven't gotten that far yet, man. It's a difficult game. You, you haven't how Dylan, many how many times have you gotten? I think I think I've beaten the second boss like two or three times. So I haven't gotten all the unlocks yet. There, there are uh, there are certain cards that um, my friend refers to as win condition cards. Basically, these yeah. are cards that you're not going to be able to win the game without. For right. for the uh, the silence, you have uh, the card that inflicts poison every turn, um, mm-hmm. and or the card that uh, gives you uh daggers every turn uh both of those are two win condition cards uh the more you play it it's a it's a roguelite the more you play it the better you'll be the better you know what kind of cards unlocking more stuff stuff like that but Um, the more i play it the more i'm seeing that dylan dylan was dylan is 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 frequently correct 
uh just not as just just not as like cynically as as he thinks he is but like he referred to slay the spire and one of his problems with it is that it's a ultimately a dumbass slot machine and he's not wrong i mean your agency is limited largely by the luck of the draw i mean that's that's how it is for almost all roguelike games you're dealing right. with with a randomizer uh, of the items, abilities, and monsters that you are fighting. So it is a dumbass slot machine. Doesn't mean it's yeah. a bad one. Uh, Do you ever play um, Dead Cells? No. Oh, dude, grab that on your Switch. It is so good. Did you play Hollow Knight at all? No. I have that on my, okay. my Switch. I just haven't played it. Hollow Knight's incredible. Um, uh, Dead Cells is really good and a lot of fun. I recommend you grab it. It's great. And it's what got me to understand what there is to like about roguelikes um, in the sense of in the sense of in the moment loss, but overall progression. That's that's how I feel so, about uh, the Binding of Isaac, which is also an amazing game that you should pick up for your yeah, Switch if you it's really good. Gotten it. Um, let's talk about episode two because we let's are do... running out of time. So Arnold as Cupid. Let's meet a shithead. Yeah. So uh, in this episode, uh, you get close and personal, up close and personal with uh, two of the boarders. Uh, one, Mister Oscar and Susie Kakashka. Uh, Oscar is a bum, uh, and is played as a bum for the remainder of the series. Uh, no character growth at all, uh, for this character. Um, well, except a little bit at the end of this episode, but he he goes back instantly. And and I'll argue that we'll talk about why I feel like that's not actual character growth. So what's, okay, so what's the rundown? Give us, give Uh, us the the rundown is, is, is Susie is sick of Oscar's shit, sick of Oscar's shit and kicks him out. Um, which is also a recurring theme in these episodes. Um, yep. Oscar, uh, nowhere to go, moves in with Arnold and subsequently ruins Arnold's life. Um, Correct. He turns off Arnold's alarm. He plays saxophone very, very poorly, uh, preventing Arnold that. from from studying. He gambles away Arnold's CD player in a card game where he had a pair of threes. Never been uh, on a pair of threes. Ultimately, Arnold, Arnold, not I don't think any from any sense of altruism, uh, tries to oh, no. get. Uh, Oscar and Susie back together, uh, so Arnold no. can have privacy and peace and quiet in his, his own, own life. Fucking room back, yeah. And that's that's trouble for a couple of reasons. Like, first of all, that's an abusive relationship. Like, Oscar's taking advantage of Susie monetarily. He's gaslighting her and lying to her. And ordinarily, I would ding Arnold for not caring that he was trying to put a a, a fundamentally like an unhealthy relationship back together but also he's 9 like his perspective is get the fuck out of my room go back to your wife what are you doing here <laughs> just whatever your wife is mad about just stop doing it and leave me alone okay so um there's not a whole lot to say about this episode, unfortunately. Oh, there's a lot to say. That's all the same thing. I'm going to be saying the same no, thing it's... for the rest of this episode. Well, kind of. Okay. Okay. So, the thing with Oscar is that he does only think of himself ever, and it, both in a selfish way and, like, in a childish way. Like, a child 
is literally incapable of understanding that other people exist, right? In the same way that the child does. Like, they are the center of the universe, and all things are an extension or reflection well, of them. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating because one of the next uh, Oscar-centered episodes has him dealing directly with a baby. Uh, right. And the comparisons, they both have the name Oscar, and the par- comparisons to both of their attitudes and both of their their mindsets is exactly the same. Uh you would think Oscar would be able to relate. You would think Oscar would be able to relate. But yeah, he when dealing with other people, if he's not directly using them, which is his main what's it, he is trying to relate them to himself. And like, I mean, that's that's what empathy is, is being able to see yourself in other people. So that's not strictly a bad thing, but he's weaponizing it. When yeah. Susie kicks him out and he goes and he tries to stay with Mr. Wynn, he says, Mr. Wynn, my Vietnamese American good buddy, highlighting, hey, we're both immigrants. We're the same, you and me. Also, I might be an anti-Semitic stereotype, but Casey's not sure enough to really come down on it. Uh, Eastern European. Uh, I don't think. Yeah. Who are the people who come from Eastern Europe, Tony, until a certain time in history? Well, yeah, this is not in a certain time of history. The thing is, no, like, there are very, very positive portrayals of Jews Jews in this show, which is why That's I true. definitely don't feel like this was an anti-Semitic stereotype. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, Kakashka is a, is a Slavic name and the, you know, the overlap there between um slavs and the jews who lived there until they didn't that's that's a weird and blurry line obviously but okay i was just worried because like he has he doesn't wear a waistcoat exactly but he has a waist chain on and he i i was never quite sure what his ethnicity was supposed to be and one day i'm gonna get through one episode of one podcast without talking about judaism but apparently this isn't it unless i cut all of this in post but yeah, he's angling, saying, look at us, we're both immigrants, we're the same, you and me, buddy, you should let me stay with you. And Mr. Wynn says, you cannot stay here, you are not a good person, not a good person at all, and just closes the door in his face, because he's the only one with a damn lick of sense. So, uh, Arnold, being the person that that he is, of course is going to let, I don't think it's a pushover, I wouldn't call him a pushover. No, he's not a pushover. Uh, he's, no. like, like... He he is concerned about the well-being of others constantly. He's also uncomfortable with conflict. Yeah, like uh, another person, blonde-haired person I know. Pshaw. Uh, Can of corn, bonehead. Anyways, so Oscar moves in uh, and yes. just kind of fucks Arnold's life up. Uh, oh yeah, he. Real bad. Uh, and I think the thing that the thing the thing that like really just pushed it over the edge for me was when uh it's i think oscar's second night in arnold's room and he's playing just the saxophone and Mm -hmm. and is just like really really badly playing and arnold's like listen mr kakashka i know you need to practice but i need to study for my test my test is tomorrow and right. he's just like, okay, we'll make a deal. I'll play my saxophone tonight, and you study for your test tomorrow. And then Arnold's like, I have my test tomorrow. I can't do that. Right. So then that Arnold works. comes home the next day, and Mr. Kakash is like, hey, how'd you do in your test? And Oscar's like, and Arnold's like, I failed it because uh, he's like, I failed it. And Mr. Kakash is like, that's too bad. You should have studied. 
and <laughs> I'm making smoothies. <laughs> that moment, first off, making smoothies with no lid, just sticking yeah. his hand over the top. It was at that moment yeah. that I'm like, I wish Arnold would stab Oscar in his face because I know for me, like, I have a certain like like anger limits and my mom talks about it like i don't have anger issues but i bottle stuff in until it gets to a point where it bursts and then i see red Mm -hmm. and i've done some not not super fucked up shit but i've done some stuff that normal anthony would never be capable of doing you've stabbed an uh, eastern european in the face no i did i did choke a guy uh in my high school uh but did you choke a bow Ah, you said it right, Casey. That was just for you, buddy. Did you see that Twitter post I made last night for you? I saw <laughs> making fun of my pronunciations. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, yeah, it was at that moment that I'm like, oh man, like I know me, I would have like just like he walked into my knife, he walked into my knife twelve times. Right. Kind this of. this this universe because it's from the perspective of a nine year old boy, the stakes are very rarely super high. Which means that for the stakes of this episode, this was the moral event horizon for for Oscar. This was was the point of no return. But I want to ask you a question, Thony, because you're one of the very few people that I can ask this question to and and believe that there's a reasonable chance of you knowing what I'm talking about. Oscar, an Eastern European immigrant sitting in an apartment that is not his, running from his problems, playing the saxophone. Is this, could this possibly be? A Moscow on the Hudson reference. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm really sorry, Fuck. Casey. Gambled and lost. Uh, in like 1986, I want to say, Robin Williams uh, was in a movie where he was a Russian circus saxophonist uh, who came to the U.S. on some kind of like cultural exchange program and just ran away. <laughs> He just decided, nope, I'm staying in America. This is where I live now. And uh, it was full of a very hirsute and very young and uh, thin Robin Williams just playing the saxophone in his apartment. So I thought maybe yeah, I, I would, the good I, I folks would over not, it. I would not put it past them for this. Let's talk about that. Do you think that it's a green card marriage? Do you think him and Sue, like, the only reason Susie and him are married is so he can stay in the country? Oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't see him willing, I don't, I don't see him being willing to go to even that amount of effort to do anything. I think he's just lazy. What, no, like, why would he, I, what, what doesn't make sense to me is, is the disdain that Susie has for him and, right. like, like, there is no, abusive relationship or not, there is, is no way that I could imagine the two of them ending up together. Um, right. Because like, like, like I, I, I have uncles that, that definitely know like are, are abusive pieces of shit. Um, right. But definitely know how to put on the charm and convince people that they are a good and charming person. Right. Oscar doesn't even have that. Right, like, like that we've seen. What what caused Susie to end up with him in the first place? And the only thing I could think of is this is a green card marriage. Okay, I can see that. I I will say, um, and I I do not mean or uh, I do not intend to speak for the female perspective, uh, but I will say that it is a trope in our culture. I don't know how true it may or may not be that 
a certain kind of woman, or a woman with a certain kind of psychology, will look at a broken, awful mess of a human man and say, I can fix him. I can make him better, and that that right. is her her mechanism of improving her own self-esteem and self-worth. And that's not usually a terribly healthy thing, but uh, it it wouldn't surprise me if she's been trying to get Oscar to be better all these years, and he, he just refuses, he just straight, or is incapable of it. Yeah, and you know, maybe, like, she's like, maybe if I marry him, maybe if he gets married, he'll he'll put his act together, and... He'll grow and up, stuff right. stuff like that. Uh, it's possible, uh... You know, we'll we'll never know. They never address it. Um, no. Um, it could be one or the other. So Arnold tries to, as the episode and suggests, the... uh, plays Cupid uh, and tries yep. to get them back together. Uh, and he does so in probably one of the most tropey, stereo- stereotypical ways uh, I could yeah. have ever seen. Well, she said she wants to see you. Well, he says uh, he, he wants parent traps to them. see you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they end up. Like he brings him up to the stay, like he brings him up onto the roof, uh, to for a romantic, uh, evening, uh, and it doesn't go well. Um, it does not. It some implodes of it, because Octor, uh, Oscar is reluctant and disgusting. Some of it I don't feel like is Oscar's fault. Uh, Oscar right. is awkward, has two left feet, and does make an effort to dance with Susie because Arnold's like right. you should dance with her. He hurts her feet because he's awkward and doesn't know how to dance and isn't good at it. I see yeah, that that's he not made a moral that flaw. good faith effort, but right. uh, they they share a dinner together. Um, Susie's feet hurts; she's soaking her feet. Arnold, uh, the jinx that he is, uh, brings out two cherry cherry tarts. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them falls into the water, and this is and we talked about the ending. This is where the episode should have ended. This this should have been the moment of Oscar's um redemption. Redemption his his character growth, his slight character growth. Um I think this would have been the perfect time for them to to end the episode. Uh so the cherry tart falls into the water. Uh they kind of hem and haw. Arnold's like, maybe you should give it to her. And Susie's like, I don't know. And then Oscar's like, well, if she doesn't want it, I'm just going to eat it. And, nom, nom, nom. And because. And does. Because she, yeah, she, he, she, he does. Like, like, I really feel like this should have been where that episode, where this entire plot thread went. But it yeah. isn't. Oscar is still a giant piece of shit. And, uh,. At that point, Susie is just completely fed up. She's like, there's no redeeming you. I'm done. She goes downstairs. Oscar has only the slightest, teeny tiniest bit of... What's the word I'm thinking of? That's not the word. Uh, What's the... When you're like, uh, self-awareness, that's the word. Yeah. Where he realizes, oh, maybe I am not a very good person. Uh, so Oscar decides to leave, um, but he does so in the worst way possible. And this is where I really want to talk about why he's irredeemable piece of shit. And even in that last 30 seconds of this episode, uh, he's still an irredeemable piece, piece of shit because he stole Arnold's the suitcase. Public, you have strong, you have strong feelings on luggage theft. The publicness of his leaving. 
is 100% a ploy to get other people to feel bad for him. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to, I don't know where I'm going to sleep. Blah, blah, blah. Oscar, where where will you go? I don't know. Somewhere into the dark abyss I've created for myself. Yeah. (laughs) Which was, why did it make me really happy? He has some moments of, I don't know that cleverness is exactly the word, but like up on the roof, uh, he said something and Susie got mad and said, well, if the shoe fits. And later she said, well, he has two left feet. And he just said, what is with all the foot metaphors? (laughs) It made me really happy. So he, yeah, he, he publicly leaves he's like i'm leaving i'm not doing Gets this to anymore step uh but does it in the most public way possible Susie's like well if you're gonna go let me give you some money because i feel like Susie is Susie isn't like arnold in a way and i i think mm-hmm. when you talk about the fact that you know she she's with him because she hopes she can change him and make him feel better um she doesn't want to see feet she doesn't want to see people suffering she doesn't want to right. uh but unlike arnold she is an actual doormat and i really really feel right. bad for saying this about her arnold is not a doormat arnold sometimes people take advantage of his kindness arnold is aware that 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 may be happening with susie i feel like she is just so concerned with the well-being of others to mm-hmm. the point where she completely disregards her own life and her own self. Uh, right. They talk about and the further that... enables their own behavior. Exactly. The, they talk about in a later episode that she's working like sixty or seventy hour weeks to provide for them because Oscar won't work. Instead of telling the damn bum to get a job, right? She just suffers, and I can't say it suffers in silence because she's definitely not not, not silent, silent about nope. it. But she's still does not put up a fight with him to get him to 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 do that. I don't want to What like... if Oscar Yeah, I mean you're well, here's the thing. What if Oscar's undocumented and can't work? Green card marriage. They're married. See, the... At the end of they... the day, at the end of the day, if they are married, he he is at, he is able, he is entitled to unless they're marriage is a sham but if we're operating under the assumption that they both are married because they want to be married to each other he's he's entitled to a uh well well my question is what proof do we have that they're i don't think in this episode they are referred to as man and wife Susie says i'm through with you i'm kicking you out and it nowhere nowhere did they say Susie is divorcing him uh, i don't think, I think they were referred to as man and wife in this episode i think i think there is a later episode that shows their wedding um okay I feel like I remember her carrying him over the threshold because that's yeah about that's right. a strong that's that's a tarot card for them yeah <laughs> uh, they're definitely like and they don't get married in the show they it is right. not established that no, I'm not arguing the point episode, I'm just saying but they are they are definitely married in the later episode but um you know I I I I I don't want to say that. It's clearly an abusive relationship, uh, but I think both of them are really, really awful spouses to each other. I don't want to like, 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 I, I feel bad for saying this, but like, 
I think they are both abusive to the other person in different ways. I think codependent might be what you're looking for. Yeah, I guess that's like like especially coming from like my marriage. Um, right. Uh, I don't want to, uh, so I'm not going to say that she's abusive to him. I don't think that's the correct phrasing. She, um, so enables. They have an unhealthy enables. relationship. It's it's deeply unhealthy. So in my in my marriage, uh, there was not as bad, but a similar dynamic between me and my ex-wife. Um, mm. I. You know, I wasn't the the suffer in silence kind of person, but I I ended up being the person who cleaned the house and and um I was the only person working for a majority of the relationship, and I was the only person right. who was who was cleaning and cooking and stuff like that. And and one of the reasons why she wanted to leave me. One of the reasons she gave me that she was kind of done with the relationship was she felt like she had never given herself a chance to learn how to be a grown up herself. She moved out of her parents' house in which her parents took, took all the care in the world for her uh, to the point where she really didn't have to do anything to move in with me where I took all the care for her uh, and she right. really didn't have to worry about anything. So, it, it, like, codependent, I guess, is the best word. It's a symbiotic relationship. One of the reasons right. why Oscar is such an insufferable piece of shit is because Susie lets him be an insufferable piece of shit. Right. That's and that's reason... a factor. And that's that's not victim-blaming exactly. So I, I think you're okay there. Also, uh, neither of us are psychologists, and we don't understand the technical definition of codependent or any of that, so right. don't and add I, us. And I'm just, just like, 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 I think, I think that it's a toxic relationship in general. I yeah. think, I think he It's a real is, Harley and Mr. J situation. I think he, no, it's, it's completely different. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, I... I would be very surprised if Oscar has ever done anything to intentionally hurt no, no, or no. harm Susie. I don't think How about he's... Michael and Jan? Getting there. Getting closer. Getting closer. I'm trying to feel like if there's there's I mean, what you really see is is the tropey King of Queens, everybody loves Raymond. Like right. like it's it's the a really if, unhealthy sitcom y relationships if where Balky, they don't seem to actually like if each other. Balky got a spin-off of Perfect Strangers, which he was married to a blonde nagging wife. That would be the Kakashkas. That would be the Kakashka show. Um Right. I think it's closer to those relationships uh than than anything else like he's definitely like like awful he gaslight tries to gaslight arnold at some points in this episode like he he is clearly a horrible awful human being but i think one of the reasons why he is a horrible awful human being is because Susie enables him to be an horrible awful human thing um right it doesn't excuse his behavior and it doesn't like, I'm not trying to vilify her because she right, you're not is, victim blaming. Yeah. It's very, very, I don't know if we should just cut this entire bit because I start getting, I start getting nervous. Like, like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think you need to be nervous. I, I think the listeners will, will understand that there's, there's a difference between victim blaming or, or denying abuse, which is not what we are doing and saying that, 
in an in because in, in unilaterally in one directionally abusive relationships like if it was just oscar constantly doing this to Susie for no reason then we would not be in a position to say she had any responsibility or anything but you're right it is it is cyclical there is push and pull there is a symbiotic uh shitty yin and yang going right, here right uh so yeah so um she tries to give oscar money uh oscar's like oh a couple 50s will hold me over and then has God. the first moment of self-cognizance in this entire series which is like ah you know what you keep the money um i don't need it i'm not gonna take it and and Susie's like oh my god you didn't take the money you didn't you had this one single moment of of mm-hmm. of self self-realization you must love me you must yeah, actually you must have cared care about me no he did not first off this was an entire sham to get back into into his wife's house like i wouldn't right. even, i wouldn't even put it past it that that because the walls are thin and they established that at the beginning of the episode but that's one of the little extra bits i want to talk about uh almost positive that Susie could hear the conversation uh oscar was having with arnold um mm-hmm. so when he comes downstairs he stops and then he doesn't knock on the door that was intentional he did that specifically for that moment for the watcher Shit. for her for that because he knew that was going to to be the thing that convinces her to bring him back. And that's why you know, this is not an irredeemable moment. This is just another clever little like Oscar scam to manipulation. Prevent, right. Prevent taking real responsibility for things. Right. And you know, it's it's easy and tempting in the times in which we live to look at every less than healthy relationship and paint it in terms of gaslighting of emotional abuse and like those are those are real and relevant and deserve to be noticed when they're present sometimes people are also just shitty to each other and like psychological pathology doesn't need to come into it but i'm pretty sure when they were writing this in the 90s i'm pretty sure that wasn't the perspective i think they tried to make this sincere and tried to make that a true moment but looking back I mean, you're absolutely right, because we now know what was just a shitty person in the 90s, we now know to be a manipulative sociopath, right? That's what Oscar is. He's stupid, no, but he's, he's still a manipulative he's, sociopath. He's narcissistic. He's not a sociopath. Like, like he mm. he doesn't... Because soci- sociopathy is the idea that he doesn't care about other people's emotions. Right, like, he Arnold... only cares about himself. I think if he was a narcissist, he wouldn't he wouldn't have descended even even foe even for a ploy into I'm garbage and I deserve to be alone and I'm living. I, I don't think a narcissist could even bring themselves to do that for the sake of an eventual win. I I don't know. Sociopaths are way more charismatic than 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 oscar is mm, like like it's, it's narcissism that's a thing like 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 there are different types of narcissism i think you can be well, a, yeah. uh uh what the hell is the word when you always put yourself down there's a, a specific word for it. uh self-deprecation yeah you could be a self-deprecating narcissist but you're self-deprecating hmm. specifically because you want people to pay attention to you and look at you and right and it serves you and your life better um agenda exactly i mean it, it's we also go, we're not like a, we're not yeah. psychologists we have we're not no gonna idea. get to the bottom of this no yeah. 
No. Also, I just want to point out, when they have their their big fight and Susie kicks him out, Susie says she gave him $200 the day before, and he's managed to blow through it all. Now, listeners, uh, I am very privileged and blessed and lucky and grateful to still be working during this time. Uh, I am working from home. I'm a healthcare worker. I'm considered essential, and so money is not the crunch for me that it is for a lot of people. Even then, like, I... I cannot imagine taking $200 from my wife unless it's like a special occasion or she did something like without my knowledge, like when she bought my little, my little kitten for me last week, I don't know how much that kitten cost, but like the idea of willingly accepting that amount of money from my wife repulsed me. I was filled with revulsion. I I, I think, I don't think that's a necessarily uncommon thing. Um, I'm I'm someone who, again, I grew up not very privileged. Like I didn't right. have a whole lot of money. Um, so I, if anybody gives me anything, I will accept it graciously and happily. And I see. And it's it's very very it's a very very odd thing for me that people don't just willingly take things. I do get that because one of the reasons. One of the reasons that the idea of taking money from Donna is so is so repulsive to me in the true sense, like I am pushed back from it, is because the idea of taking something from another person is to me equivalent to emburdening them. And I can't psychologically allow myself to do that. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. Anyway, um, like, like, like the idea that you can, that people can just take things is, I think, just dependent on your... Your personal um, setup. And, and if we really, still, if we really think about it, Oscar is from Eastern Europe and grew up in Eastern Europe during, uh, a time that it was Soviet ruled. So the idea right. that resources are to be shared, uh, and really, mm-hmm. if we want to talk about this, that a lot of his behavior is, is, is really a slight anti-communist message, a pro-capitalist right. message about, about, look at this, this, lazy uh unintelligent communist person who right who just wants to mooch off the state to them uh rather than than work for themselves if we really want to talk about negative stereotypes and what oscar is uh i have no problem saying this is 100 percent where that comes from that's that that would never have occurred to me that's fantastic whereas mr win uh, who vocally fuck you'd Oscar, uh, fled from a communist regime, as we will learn later. I'm actually, uh, I'm reading to my missus right now, uh, a Dean Koontz book called TikTok. Uh, it's about um, a young Vietnamese man who strays from his family tradition to be his own man in America. They fled the fall of Saigon, and there's a monster and all kinds of stuff, but, like, he goes to his brother for help, and his brother runs this huge bakery where they have all these other Vietnamese immigrants who fled, you know, the fall of, of communism in Vietnam, and, like, the gangs come after them, and th- these are American-born Vietnamese gangs who are like, yeah, we're the bad boys, we'll fuck you up, and all the people in this bakery are, like, in their 40s and, like, uh, we fled people actually trying to kill us. You do not scare us. <laughs> and I think that's reflected in Mr. Wynn a little bit. Because, like, like, if here's, we're... And here's what's interesting. Because, like, like, if we really want to talk about the two immigrants that live in the sporting house, Mr. Wynn is 
tries to show the positives of capitalism and why right. uh, conforming hard to work. capitalists is, yeah, he's a hard worker. He works at a taco shop, a Mexican restaurant, right. eventually becomes manager, uh, also sings country music. And uh, a country star. very, yep. very uh, iconic American-esque American things. Um, it's just, uh, and I think this is it. Like, Oscar seems like the person who lived in, in communism willingly. Uh, and yeah. Mr. Wynn is someone who fled communism uh, and like we could talk about like the idea of capitalistic and communistic and socialism uh, right through this All this for a episode pair of Nancy Spumoni boots <laughs> uh, through through this entire series, but I think we'd be talking for far longer than two hours, uh, which yeah. is where we're at. Um, okay, so okay. final thoughts on this episode. I have a big one. Go for it. Okay, at the beginning of the episode when. Susie and Mr. Kakashka are having a fight. Uh, mm -hmm. Something gets thrown at a wall or something hits a wall, creating a loud enough ruckus that uh, a project that Arnold is working on collapses underneath him. Oh, no. What the fuck is Arnold trying to make in this? Did you notice what he was trying to make in this scene? I did not. I'm I want you to go back right now. Go back and, guys, if you haven't, uh, please uh, pause this episode, go on to Hulu, uh, it's like Arnold's first introduction in the second part of this episode. Um, do it now. Okay, here we go. We're zooming in. Arnold is Cupid. Written by Steve Vixton. This episode was written by the voice of Mr. Kakashka. Oh, interesting. That's fantastic. That's an excellent question. What the hell is Arnold making? I see balancing okay, scales, I, I, I see I've, a playing card, I've, I see I've, what appears to be a living bird. I have them listed. I didn't see the living bird. So, list of items. There is the Ace of Diamonds. There is a snow globe. There is one of those incense bowl things that they use in, like, temples. Uh, there is a baseball baseball in a label. Sensors. Uh, there is an orange orange with a pencil stuck in it. There is some alien-looking thing at the bottom. There is an action figure. And the thing is, he looks super frustrated by its destruction. <laughs> yeah. All right, wait. I'm 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 fast forwarding to the to the destruction here. Give just give me one second. Susie throws. I don't know why Susie has Arnold's suitcase to begin with, because that's the same suitcase he uses when he's trying to leave later in the episode. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, you're right. He looks super. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There's some kind of weird doll thing. Uh, what else do we got here? Snow globe. It looks like a computer mouse, maybe some kind of giant. Is that a is that a whale? Is that like a little toy whale? It looks like it's. it's There's a it's lot going fascinating. on. Fascinating. Like like he he's clearly been working on this for like an hour or two. Right. Like he's put his heart and soul and into he's... this, and it's just like so frustrated that whatever this thing that he is making is is gone. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and he Arnold's an inventor. He's a tinkerer. He always has been. That's consistent. He's always making alarm clocks. Always, wow. That I'm very glad you noticed that. Okay. Uh, any other final thoughts? I have one more, but I want to know what you have before I say my final thoughts. Of mine, uh, yeah, honestly, there's a big one where Susie, where he, she kicks him out, and he says, But Susie, you know I love you. And she says, You love yourself, Oscar. I'm just second place. What's wrong with second place? That's pretty good. 
It's it's which that's that's narcissistic behavior. That's not sociopathy. That's, that's okay. That's narcissism. Yeah, well, it's him. It's him acknowledging his flaw, though. He doesn't admit that it's a flaw, but he acknowledges that it's how he works. Yeah, it's not a bug. It's a feature. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It's a feature. Exactly. Okay. All right. What was uh, yours? What's your closing I have, thoughts? Here? Uh, I have two more. I forgot one. At one point, Oscar's like, "What? Do you have some sort of girlfriend or something?" Uh, oh yeah. And Arnold says, "Not really." <laughs> And then it's a not exactly gag. not exactly. What well, it's a cutaway gag to Helga just in her little Arnold Temple flipping the lights right off. You can hear flies buzzing because you know that there's just a pile of refuse right. in the middle of that room. What I love about that though is I feel like it's kind of a hint that Arnold is at least slightly he aware knows. that Helga yeah. has a crush on him because he didn't say no. He said not exactly, and they cut to her. Uh, and cut back. Not, no, I don't have anybody that likes me. Uh, it, it was just something I really like. Uh, and the last thing is, uh, this is the second appearance of the rooftop piano. Uh, because oh, they yeah. have a piano on the roof and it stays a piano on the roof. I also really like that, uh, the, in the, ne- the morning after he crashes in Arnold's place, Oscar brings Arnold French toast and orange juice. And there's another cutaway gag that he literally just stole that breakfast from Ernie downstairs in the kitchen. Uh, so I think that's it for me. Um, that's it for me too well we're rejiggering the watch order so go ahead and watch uh bench warmer and cool jerk whatever order you've got those in i'll watch that one next for next week um you can follow us at the underscore gfr or maybe the gfr uh we'll find it you'll find us don't worry about it and until then all our buddies um if my toupee of the month package arrives you can just leave it outside my door you don't have to like track me down throughout the whole city it's fine And as always, you keep the money. (laughs) Bye, all our money. Bye.